Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals. As always, great to have your company for another edition of This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Today we celebrate the sporting life of a man who played more than 200 games for his beloved Saints. He had a couple of interesting records along the way. He made it to the big dance, all the way to the big dance on a couple of occasions. His name is Jason Blake and he joins me in the studio. Jason, good to see you. Great to be here. Hey, travelling. You're looking well. Uh, good. No, enjoying uh, enjoying life after football. Watching the mighty Saints go around. Um, it uh, it's five years now, so yeah, it uh, it's gone pretty quick. Did um, the feeling once you got away from football and and being in that bubble and having to go through training all the time and seeing the same people all the time? Did you miss that time at the club instantaneously when you left football? Was it a really big wrench for you? Because a lot of people find it very hard to cope with in the first 12 months. It, uh, it, it certainly is uh, really different and it takes some adjusting. Um, you go from this environment that's completely focused on one particular goal. Um, the whole organisation is, 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 is really promoting and driving um, towards, towards the ultimate. And... Um, and then you come out into this world that um, that uh, have different agendas, um, have uh, different meanings, and um, and all of a sudden you're you're left with a uh, a sense of geez, I'm, I, I really need to um, drive my own agenda and and, and drive a a, a personal uh, goal that uh, is I guess separated from a a, a greater one and. Um, and so it was really uh, my search for something um, outside of football was to be a part of something unique um, and to be a part of something greater than than myself. Um, and that and that I felt was a, a great challenge um, and and one that uh, took some time to, to to search for. So it really is a matter of self motivating yourself because when you're in the football club environment, you've got so many people who are invested in that very thing. But once you make the break and once you step outside of that well you're your own boss you've got to do it yourself yeah it's certainly um it's a big change and um i was lucky enough to to spend some time um in in the the commercial world before i left and um lucky enough to leave on my own terms um so i gave me some time to prepare for that um but uh for those guys that come clean out of the AFL system, it's it's a huge transition, um, and um, and and you know, when you're playing, everyone is your friend, and mm. everyone um, wants to be a part of your journey and your life, and and um, 
and and I I found personally that that those things change pretty quickly. And um, when once you th- would thought you could rely on someone to perhaps give you an opportunity, um, it 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 dilutes pretty quickly. And whilst they're there to potentially support you, it, the opportunities um, aren't as frequent as as you'd like. Does that change your perceptions of people? Do you then look at them and think, well, while I was there and while I was in the limelight and while I had something to offer, you were there, but you've moved away pretty quickly after that? Um, I, I don't think so. I, I, for me, I, I can understand why. It's, it's um, uh, You're personally invested in, in the, the, the St Kilda Football Club and they've got a, a big interest in that. Um, for them to transition to... to look outside that, that personally impacts their business or their underlying profit or whatever it is. Um, it's a different story. And, um, I can understand the sensitivities behind that. Um, and it's just a matter of convincing, um, whoever it was that I was talking to that, well, I can actually add value beyond my experience in, in a certain field. Um, so coming out of, out of the AFL system when I was 32, um, it, 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 I was certainly uh, behind and, and perhaps, um, many fields, but uh, certainly ahead and a lot of others. So it was about trying to um, position myself in the, in the best manner, in the best light. The fact that you were involved in the business world before you left football and you, you had a bit of a foothold there for life after footy, is that something that you would advise younger guys who are coming up through the ranks to, to dabble in that and rather than just be focused on football 24-7? I... Um... I really enjoyed it. it. For me, it was an escape from football, um, different conversations, uh, uh, different priorities, different agendas. Um, and whilst football was always there, for me, I really enjoyed it. Um, I was lucky enough to actually have a, a year uh, uh, out in university before I got drafted. So um, I, was established, I was able to establish some networks and get myself familiar with, with um with the university RMIT that I went to, and um, and that really I found held me in good stead uh, going forward throughout my uh, football career to to go back and and keep studying and um, and uh, leverage those type of contacts. Um, I found that um, the guys that didn't um, study, uh, some were very fortunate in that they were great players and can and, and can go into the media um, and go into different avenues, but there's others that. It's just disastrous, and um, and it's it's gut wrenching to see them struggle after football. The level of professionalism required. You're qualified to speak on this because you were in the system at the top level for 14 years. It was a very professional game when you came in, but even more so, and even more time consuming by the time you ended your career. When I first came in, uh, so Tim Watson was was the coach, and uh, I mean we had uh, school cubicles outside of the having Raven facility. So it wasn't as, it certainly wasn't as professional as it is now in terms of resourcing and time commitments. But I think it was, it was transitioning to that. Uh, so there was still enough time back in the day to spend a day or two um, on, on a different, uh, whether it be study or we had Stewie Lowe working as a, um, a, a, in his progressive property business. And we had other guys. It was some really good examples of, of guys. Andrew Thompson still mm. um, working on, on different things. So there was some really good examples of guys working outside of football. Um, but that's certainly, as the next five years, that transitioned into, you know, you're there every day. You're there from seven till um, at least three o'clock in the afternoon. And 
And the way I explain it to people is that the, whilst they're shorter days and shorter time periods, the intensity whilst you're there is, is a lot greater than an everyday work life. Um, the intensity while you're there, you're on um, and you're competing and you're pushing yourself um, harder and further than, than, uh, than you were yesterday. So that's, 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 that's the difference, I reckon, between um, a, a normal commercial office life versus the AFL footballer. Whilst the, um, the days are shorter, uh, the intensity is greater. So it does offset, offset itself. Um, in saying that, there is still opportunity to, to look elsewhere and, and um, certainly develop yourself further. In commercial life, Jase, obviously meetings are a, a part of the business world, but increasingly so, they've become part of football. And a lot of the players I've spoken to on this program and just chatting over the years say that's the one thing that wears them down after a while. It's meeting after meeting and just everything is dissected to the most minute detail. Did that get to you towards the end? Absolutely. Uh, it's uh, when I first started, we didn't have behind the goals footage, believe it or not. Mm. When that came into play, it, it, it certainly opened up the whole spectrum of analysis, and um, you, you were able to really uh, drill down and dissect, um, you know, three or four moves ahead of, of the play. Um, and um, but for me, it, it is it is demanding. Um, but what it is, it's it's football analysis and smart. So you're doing a football degree. Um, in that respect, and um, uh, and 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 the resources are there now. As, as much as you want, you can you can achieve and unlock um, and have access to. So, uh, whereas times before you were limited with resources, now you have unlimited resources. So, the expectation is that you use those resources and try and drive your football, whether it's um, you know analysing your opponent or analysing how you could make better decisions under pressure um, or analysing um, uh, a different role that you potentially may play that week, um, those resources are available. So the the expectation is is that you use all of those hours committed um, during the day to, to enhance your football. How much of that knowledge that comes through those meetings and, and the um, tapes and all of the sort of things that you look at make a difference when you're five points down or five points up at the 25-minute mark of the last quarter? Does it actually make a difference? Do you go back to that point in time and say, this is the structure, this is what we have to do, or is the pressure of the moment something that just has a life of its own? I like to think of it as um, principles. Um, so we, one of the things that I learned um, and, and only really got probably mid-year, mid uh, my career is it's based on principles. So... Um, a principle then will drive a behaviour or a decision make uh, your decision making. So, um, you know, depending on the game scenario, um, the scoreboard, um, depending on you know if it's the conditions um, and, and time of the game, it, all those factors put together will un- have an underlying principle that will say, okay, we should we really need to put a man back in defence, or we need to really. Um, press forward and, and put the pressure on whilst we can, or we need to slow the play down. We've been going for 15 minutes um, with great intensity. We need to give ourselves a couple of minutes to take stock and go again. So, um, I mean, Ross Lyon really was a, a great influencer and, um, and, and coach in that respect. He, he really came down. When, it, when, when Ross came in, he brought all those principles with him that um, perhaps we'd, we hadn't concentrated on in the past.
I'll ask you about your coaches a little bit later on, and we've spoken about the fact that you were involved in the business world before you finished footy. What are you doing now? So working for a company called Fraser's Property in their retail arm, uh, project managing uh, shopping centre developments. Um, so looking after a, a site down in Burwood behind the RSPCA, and uh, it's all going well, but um, uh, really enjoying it. It's a, um, you know, the team environment that I talked about before, um, we do have some elements in that, and and we're all driving for an end date. We have a, a large consultant team. We have a builder who's had a team behind them. Um, and we have the Fraser's team. So it, I do enjoy those elements because I, I guess I've been, it's been entrenched in me in the last 20 years. How much involvement in footy do you have these days? Very limited these days. I get to enjoy the Saints on the weekend. And just finally, before we take a break, you say you uh, still love the Saints and you watch them wherever you can. How do you think they're tracking at the moment? They started the season so well and exceeded everybody's expectations, I think, early in the season. But there's been a bit of a reality check after that. How would you assess what they've done so far? We're seeing some really uh, talented um, young guys coming through. Uh, one of the biggest criticisms of the, of the Saints last year was their effort. Um, and I think they've really addressed that this year. I think their effort um, has been fantastic. Their pressure and um, their attack on the ball has been really pleasing to see, I think, Considering the injuries they've had as well um, and the setbacks, they've, they've done extraordinary work this year. We've touched on the beginning of your football journey and we'll touch on it a little bit more when we come back on the other side of the break. Jason Blake is my guest on This Is Your Sporting Life, for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives and we'll have more with Jace coming up after the break. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hope you're enjoying the chat with Jason Blake on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Jace, you spoke about the period when you were drafted. Take us back before that and your early steps in footy. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Mentone in uh, Bayside uh, in, in Melbourne. And uh, I guess uh, football was... Um, I kind of fell into football really. I, I, uh, I was, I was playing, uh, throughout school and, and doing okay. And then I, I was picked up by the dragons, kind of a last pick really. Um, and then from there did the right things. That was, that was, uh, Pran dragons back in the, mm-hmm. back in the day, uh, that are now Sandy. But, um, uh, I was, I was okay without being anything great. Um, and, and really didn't know much about football, um, other than just having having fun and having a kick out there, and once I joined the Dragons, I I, I was able to 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 be um, mentored by a, a couple of the senior guys there, and and um, uh, really decided to 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 extend. Um, I might, have, might start that again, actually. Yeah, sure, that's all right. <laughs> um, Started rambling on. Yeah, no, and that's okay. That's fine. Um, what we might do is because that was the first question, so I'll start the segment oh, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Okay. I'll just stop that so we've got an accurate. We've probably lost about a minute there, but yeah, that's okay. Yeah. All right. Hope you're enjoying the chat with Jason Blake on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Jace, you spoke about being drafted. Take us back a little bit before that. What were your early steps in footy? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Mentone in, in uh, Bayside, Melbourne, and uh, uh, 
and and football to me, um, like I, I really fell into it. It, it uh, it's something that just developed. Whilst it was a dream, I saw AFL players, and I, I saw I went to many games, but I don't know. It wasn't really on my radar early on until um, it started to become a reality in my uh, later teen years. Um, Were you a Saints fan, being Bayside lad? It was funny. My my father was a, a Saints supporter, but I was Essendon. Oh right, um, influenced by his his best mate at the time, but. Um, uh, uh, but so I still had a close affiliation with the Saints, um, obviously being around the corner, um, uh, down the road from Rabin, um, St Kilda was, it was certainly, um, a soft spot for me. And, um, uh, so yeah, so, so I went into, uh, the, the Santa Ana Dragons and, and it was kind of the last pick to be honest, um, under 16s. And that kind of followed, that trend kind of followed with the, the, the final few picks for, uh, Victorian squads, um, and I, can, I guess that realization that this this could become a reality um, set in later in those years, and then I started working a lot harder and, and um, uh, paired up with a, a couple of senior players at um, the Dragons, and um, and then that I felt from then on it just kind of accelerated um, my development and um, went through the, the the big squads and then all Australian and um, and lucky enough to get picked up by the Saints at. Um, uh, in the second round, uh, which I thought I was going to, I had, a, I had a funny story that I had uh, many meetings with, um, Choco Williams and, and Port Adelaide. And they said, if you're still around at pick 25, um, we'll take you up. I had uh, a five minute, uh, chat with Johnny Beveridge, the, the famous yeah. St. Kilda recruiter. And, um, and, uh, he said, look, we, we know what Jason, we know you can do mate. And, uh, and that was about it. And, um, and so I thought I was going to Port Adelaide and then, and then Saints picked me up. Which was a, which is, it was over, it was overwhelming, really. It was a, um, uh, something so exciting and and um, and uh, and so great that I had all my family and friends there at the time, and um, unfortunately, it was recorded, so you could see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> does that well, does that recording get pulled out every now and again? It uh, it's been around a few times. Um, it's some, some some seriously poor dress sense at the time. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's heading to the Saints. It was it was um, quite like I said. I, I went for Essendon as a kid, and then have Tim Watson as a coach. It was it was it was quite bizarre. But coming into the the Saints realm and and seeing these players, I yeah, uh, looking back, I can I almost wanted to kick him, kick my younger self because I was pretty ignorant to it all and and uh, really immature at the stage at that stage and unaware of, of what it took to become an AFL player. Oh, well, that's what they say, isn't it? The value of 2020 hindsight's the best vision you could ever have. But um, it's uh, when you talk about what you know as a, a youngster compared to what you know now, it'd be lovely to have that knowledge. Well, I was, I was, I was failing terribly. I was um, turning up late for meetings. I was, um, I was, uh, I, I just didn't really quite get it. And then Stewie Lowe pulled me aside and said, mate, you need to, you need to really have a look at yourself here. We need, we want you to be part of this um, team, but um, you need to, to really come. Well, so we set some rules and some agendas, and from there it was it was a really the kick in the guts that I needed to to realise that this is going to come and go really quickly if I don't start um, uh, focusing on what I can on training and, and effort and discipline um, and commitment and sacrifice all those things that make you great. Um, uh, it, it was um, from then on. Uh, yeah, I really became a competitive, um, I guess, uh, beast in that regard, and, and and wanted to do things and beat all the other guys, and and um, 
and and so that was a, a, an amazing kind of time in my life um, of, of growing up and and understanding what it took to be a professional athlete. You mentioned some of the personnel that arrived there round about the same time Rui arrives in the draft and and the nucleus was there, but it was a tough struggle for the football club when you first got there. They weren't a winning team. Um, is there an attitude that exists in a team like that that you almost get used to losing? Yeah, it it it, it was a horrible time. Um, I remember that first year... Um, I remember hating it, to be honest. Um, it was, you know, I, I, I came into the AFL and and, um, and they had completed this, you know, torturous pre-season that, um, and, and, uh, <laughs> and then now we're, we're losing every week. We're getting absolutely um, hammered for it. Tim was saying, well, I remember one of his lines is, if you didn't want to put in effort during the game, we're going to put in effort and train during the week and we'll start at six and it would be torturous sessions and, of course, uh, that just had a, a negative effect because we were um, completely tired and over <laughs> and buggered for the weekend. So it was this quicksand of of effort and, and losses, and um, and uh, and so it was. It was whilst it was tough, it, it certainly um, there was a there was a breaking point, I guess, at the end of the year when Tim left and we had the famous Malcolm Blight come in. Mm. Um, and uh, and and for him to come in, I remember one of his first uh, addresses to the team was, "Okay, guys, I've got this covered. Um, the flood, don't worry about the flood. I've got that. I've got that covered. Don't worry about X, Y, Z. You guys are going to be, you know, top four side." And um, and 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 then to, to to look back on the events that occurred after that um, was quite bizarre. But um, they were they were times that um, were. You, you know, you, like I said, you look back now and you think, how, how did this happen, really? Um, uh, and it wasn't until Grant Thomas came on the scene that we had some stability. Um, and with Grant, he he really gave us a a, a pathway, a roadmap, and um, taught us the basics about footy and what we need to really concentrate on. And and just so happened that um, with 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 Grant, we we had those drafts of, of Rui um, and uh, Cosy, and then. You know, Nick Dalsano, Luke Ball, Matt McGuire, um, Xavier Clark, uh, Lee Montagna. Um, it's it's funny um, talking about you know Blighty, um, the recruitment of Blighty for for whatever it was. It, it probably was an error, but it, it, in that regard, um, with Blighty came Fraser Garrick, Aaron Hamill, Stevie Lawrence, um, you know um, Stephen Powell. So. These these type of these type of players came into our side because we had a headline coach with Blighty and and those and those and those guys um, specifically with with Fraser and, and Hamill um, really gave us a, a great benchmark and leadership for all those younger guys coming through. So things were beginning to turn at the football club. That losing attitude, if you like, was starting to disappear and it wasn't long before the team was making finals and getting close to getting into grand finals. Did you feel as though the window was there in the mid 2000s that the premiership was just around the corner? Absolutely. I mean, we, we, um, at 2004, um, preliminary final against, uh, Port Adelaide, um, where we lost by five points. And, um, I mean, that, that game will be etched into my mind. I think we were, 
if we went on the next week, we would have we would have taken that. I mean, I think it was Brisbane. We're up. Yes. Um, we had, we we knew we had Brisbane's measure, um, and we were we're going into that game, into the Port Adelaide game, with a number of goals up. We had the momentum, and that's of course where the famous um, Fraser Gary kicked his hundredth, and it felt like from that point on the whole momentum shifts towards um, Port Adelaide and Gavin Wagoner played one of the best quarters I've seen, um, kicked three goals from from the pocket, and um, and uh, and they clinched it by five points. So we. We, I mean, during that those those early years, um, we had some amazing players, and um, and that belief was was really starting to build. Um, that obviously went into two thousand and five, um, but again, I think we we're up by th- um, at three quarter time against Sydney, um, and then they rolled us again. Um, and 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 for whatever reason, after that after that prelim final. Expectations. Well, we, we may have had some um, people leave and injured, but we we kind of dropped off that belief. And um, and uh, for the next couple of years, it was it was a bit of a grind until until Ross. Is that because there are two ways of looking at that sort of situation? When you come that close, you think, "Oh, we're knocking on the door." But then the other side of the coin is you think, "We've bloody missed an opportunity here. In fact, we've missed two. Yeah, it's 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 devastating to really think about. Um, those those two opportunities, we, we, it seemed like we were so close but so far away. We mm. we by all rights we probably didn't have the maturity as a side um, to uh, to get us there. Um, we could have stolen it though. We could have. I mean that potential. Those, those years against against um, particularly the one that put Adelaide one in Brisbane. That that was one that really got away. Um, but looking about how then we we um, I guess. Uh, transitioned into the years of Ross Lam. We really, looking back at it now, you really um, think um, the game plan and the structure and the strategies, uh, it, potentially we were lacking in those areas. Um, whilst the effort and the um, the effort and the intensity and uh, I guess the, the, the general play that we had with under Grant um, was good, Ross took us to that kind of next level of, of structure and strategy and setups and um, football smarts and and um, team kind of play. And that next level would eventually take you to three grand finals, three grand finals in two years. And we'll talk about that when we come back on the other side of the break with Jason Blake, my guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals, Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hope you're enjoying the chat with Jason Blake on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. We spoke about those prelim finals, Jason. 2004, 2005, 2008, we get to 2009. And that attitude that perhaps something big might be about to happen. You talked about that great game between St Kilda and Geelong in the middle of the season. Did you feel as though that you were head and shoulders the best two teams that year? I, I truly feel we did. Um, we 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 used to benchmark Geelong as um, as that team to beat. I mean, they've been they were so great in those last previous years. And I mean, Ross when Ross came in, um, I feel I feel the last ten years of of um, of, of our development as a team um, 
with the, the guys, that core group of guys, you talk about Rue and, and Nick Del Sam, mm. like, um, that maturity, it, it all came to a, a head when Ross um, really came to, to the club. I feel we were, we're driving the club and the actions. Um, we'll take control of, of our standards um, and buying in as a team and as, as players. Um, okay, we have a, you know, we have a limited time here. We've, we've got a group of guys that are really talented, um, but if we don't start driving this as a, as a, a, and you know the players start driving this, um, we're going to miss our opportunity. So, um, you know, two thousand seven, two thousand and eight, saw us really uh, uh, come through a journey um, that that left. You know, we saw Robert Harvey leave, and we saw some of these these greats leave without a premiership, um, and. And as as tragic as it was, we it, it, it certainly um, it certainly uh, I guess uh, focused our attention to the fact that we have a limited time. We're going to do everything we can in our power to 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 make this uh, opportunity come to life. So, two thousand eight um, was was a, a real turning point for us, um, and uh, we see we saw what Geelong were doing, and we thought we could certainly match them and uh, take it one step further. So coming to that game, we were 13 wins each. We were, um, we'd, we'd watch them every week, and we, we truly believed this was our time. Um, uh, and, and that game was, you know, the intensity of that game um, was phenomenal. And it was, it was paramount to a final for us. Um, mm. and, uh, and, you know, the, the, the goings-on in that game was... It was, it was truly spectacular. I think it probably convinced everybody outside that you were the two best teams as well and that it was a flip of the coin job once you got to the big day and that's the way it turned out. What are your memories of the day? Because I think we have this picture in our mind's eye of grand final day always being a nice sunny day, but it certainly wasn't in 2009. It was a slog. It was a slog and and, um, and we missed some opportunities early on um, that would eventually yeah, be our detriment. And... Um, but I mean, going into that, you know, to 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 get through the preliminary final um, was was just elation for all of us, um, and to, to to actually play in a grand final was a uh, incredible experience. The lead up to it, and the, obviously the grand final parade, and um, uh, then watching Moorabbin just come to life with supporters um, flooding uh, the stands, and and. Um, uh, and, and, and really support the whole town um, really coming to life down the Bayside Bayside area and supporting us um, was phenomenal. Obviously, the the drought that has driven um, St Kilda fans mad for the last, you know, um, uh, how many years? Well, 66, so. 66, so. Um, it's, it's, it, that, that, the whole premise was there in front of us and, and the opportunity was real. So did that hang over your head a little bit? The fact that everybody talked about the drought and talked about 66 and the fact that it had been 43 years, was that something that the players felt at any stage? You were certainly, you certainly knew and you were certainly aware of it. Um, but on the other side, you certainly understood if you would be legend status, if you get through mm. this game and, and, um, and, and take this out, you'd be immortalised into St Kilda's um, history, and 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 that excited, it certainly excited me, and excited, and it was uh, excited many of the players when we talked about, you know, this this is real. Here we go, we've got this, um, and um, and that day, it 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 really was, um, 
an arm wrestle. It was always going to be an arm wrestle. It was a battle. Um, we're at war with each other. Um, and that game was intense. We missed opportunities. We came back and, um, but they just, it just felt at the end of the day, their experience, um, in that, in, in, in that environment got them through. And that toe poke from Matty Scarlett and it goes down the other end and Chappie kicks the goal and you had a pretty good view of all of that. Yes, I was fingertips away from smothering yeah. uh, that ball and um, uh, you look at it and, and a lot of what-ifs in that last quarter, but um, uh, it is it was devastating. It was absolutely devastating. And uh, and uh, to see a bunch of grown men cry is not pretty, uh, mm. but their rooms were filled, filled with tears and... Um, and and you know the I guess everyone was um, everyone was terribly upset. The worst part of it that I can't understand and believe is that we then had to go. <laughs> we then we had they had the the dinner um, already formalised and already set up. So we had to compose ourselves, get us um, everyone together, and then go down into the Crown Palladium and have a a grand final dinner amongst the supporters and. And the feeling in that room was just morbid. It was, um, it was, it was so, I'll never forget it. It was terrible. But um, um, it was an experience, a very unique experience that um, I really, I guess I was fortunate to, to get through. And and, uh, and that led, obviously, to 2010. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned the room being filled with tears in 2009. The room was filled with something else. But we'll talk about that as we discuss 2010. So the, the premiership window is still open. You go through 2010, you set up the date with Collingwood. Everybody who was there that day remembers the feeling on the final siren. And it's the most nothing feeling that you could experience as a spectator. I can only imagine what it must be like as a player. I, uh, I actually didn't know what the rules were for a draw, drawn grand final. Um, so I'm looking around wondering what's happening next. It was, um, it, it, like you talked about bizarre feeling. It was, it was, it was, um, it was, it was soulless. It just, I just didn't understand. Um, you put you, you, your mind and your headspace, uh, for a grand final is that there is no tomorrow. That's, mm. that's, there is no tomorrow. So you, you, uh, are, are driving yourself, um, to deliver an, an output that, there is no tomorrow, so there is. You're going to give everything you can, um, and as soon as that uh, changes, you don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and 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 like you said, it, it was um, it, it was a, a very unique and, and bizarre feeling. How many times have you watched Milne's kick and thought, "If only"? There's a couple of "if onlys" in that game. Again, um, I I hadn't watched it until recently, end of last year, actually, and. Um, when I was going on to panel, I said, and I knew I was going to get asked these questions. Oh, geez, I better watch this game again. And um, and and uh, and one of the things I, I I took out of it was just the intensity of that first quarter. I've never I've I've never experienced an intensity in that first quarter um, as I did in that grand final. Um, I remember coming to the the quarter time thinking, "Geez, I, I don't know if I can keep going here at this rate. I'm going to keel over." Um, but that that tie poke, um, it just seems so cruel. Uh, as a St Kilda player and, a, and a, a, a watching as a fan, it just it just doesn't seem right. And uh, you know, I was very close. I, I went into the ruck, so I was um, 
I was, I was right there and amongst it. And, um, and, and to Ben Johnson, then to clear that ball, I remember I was only a couple of meters away as well. And, um, watching it, it, it is, it is soul destroying, unfortunately. Mm. And then that feeling that we were talking about, and it was exacerbated by those remarkable circumstances. You're out on the ground. You don't know what to do. Just one question about that. Would you have preferred on the day to have played extra time and get it done and dusted then and there? Absolutely, yeah. That, I, I, I think it was the right decision by the AFL changing that yeah. that rule. I, I, I guess they probably hadn't really thought about it um, up until that point and the, the impacts of that um, of that rule. But uh, well, Maxi in that famous interview um, after the siren said, "This is ridiculous. Yeah, this shouldn't be happening." Wedding plans had to change. Yeah, it was a, um, it was incredible to, to to hear about the aftermaths of that of that result. But um, from a player's point of view. Uh, we, we, would, we would have ideally played on and, mm. and played a couple of five-minute halves or, 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 or the like. It, it just seemed like a natural thing to do to, to, to play overtime in that environment. But um, it is what it is. And, and unfortunately, unfortunately, we just couldn't compose ourselves afterwards. Um, uh, we went away after that game. We got together with the – we went actually to, to, to Rui's pub and Brighton Hotel and, and, and took out um, – top level and had to sit down with the players and, and, and the, um, Sean Richardson, who was the, uh, the psych at the time, um, talked to us about what's next and how your mind, you're going to some, a, a grieving process, um, almost to the fact that you need to get yourself back up. You've you prepared your mind mentally to give it, give it you all. And this is going to be your last game, blah, blah, blah. You need to get back yourself back up and, and, and think about preparation and think about how um, how am I going to give uh, be at the level to give my all the next week so it was a really strange week um, you know we had guys with injuries we had for you know a lot of excuses but in the, the day we we just couldn't get ourselves back up to the level that we needed to all right we're going to move on to our final break and when we come back on the other side of the break I want to mention the Brownlow medal so you know what's coming We'll talk about that with Jason Blake when we come back on the other side of the break. This is your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Our final segment with Jason Blake on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. Now, Jace, we've spoken about grand finals. Unfortunately, we can't talk about a premiership because that didn't eventuate for you. But the Brownlow Medal. My now you've, topic. Yeah, you've got an association with the Brownlow Medal that a lot of people know about, but some people might not know about. What's your association with the Brownlow? For uh, me, I think the Brownlow is very overrated. Yeah. It, um, Why would that be? No, well, it, it, potentially I, I could hold the record for the uh, the most games played without a, a Brownlow vote. It, How many uh, of those games did you play without a Brownlow vote? So it's it was it was twelve years, and I think it was about two hundred and ten games. <laughs> <So, laughs> it was. A, <laughs> It was a. Um, Did it just become a bit comical after a while? It's something I hope doesn't remain on my uh, tombstone when it's all <laughs> said and done. But unfortunately, it probably will. Um, uh, I like to think I was uh, the fourth best player on the ground yes. in most of those games. Yeah. Um, and the umpires just have no idea. 
Well, it's uh, yeah, that's well, yes, some would say that. <laughs> um, it's uh, it, it certainly was a long time coming, and um, and and the guys really picked it up and uh, and and used and played with it um, toward those final years. So now, where were you when that vote was read out? I uh, I, I had I had some friends come over. And, um, did you think you'd get a vote that day? You probably thought you'd get a vote prior to that, but, uh, did you think you'd get a vote that day? I, I thought I was a chance. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and so, I mean, the lead up to it was ridiculous. I mean, we had, uh, I'm fairly close with Nick Del Sato and, and, uh, and, and him mentioning, uh, on the Brownlow night that the year before was, um, was staggering. Um, and, uh, so that really built it up to, to 2012, I think, when I, against the Gold Coast, um, and uh, and so to to get the Burnley vote, and then um, I think it's the uh, the only or first and only time I was trending in, uh, in the Twitter space. <laughs> but um, it was yeah, it was it was I guess uh, one of those things. Do you know the name of the player who had the record before you? I think Lee Brown had it before me. I think it was Ross Henshaw. Did you ever actually crack it for an invite to the Brownlow? I didn't. I, I've I've uh, I've never been. Geez, surely uh, there should be a category. <laughs> I, I mean, you should be invited every year now simply I, uh, because of this. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to avoid that. I'm not sure. Uh, it's just uh, one of those side shows anyway. But you've got your Brownlow votes, so that's the most important thing. When you got to the end of your career, were you done? Were you cooked? It, it, it's funny. It's because um, having Ross leave, um, Scott Waters came in. Uh, at that stage, I uh, I was still hungry. I, I was still excited to play, but um, the Saints were going through a transition period, and um, I, I was uh, complete of the understanding that if I was going to play, um, I needed to be three times better than the the young guy coming through because we've, we're going to be five years, at least five years, till we have another a run at this premiership. So, you know, I, the reality of it all was. Um, I was an understanding of and accepting, um, really, and uh, and so um, I managed to, to get another couple of years under Scott. But um, uh, he came to me and he said, "Mate, this this is it. This is um, you're done. Hope you know you're done." I go, "Yeah, I know I'm done. I'm fair enough." And uh, but I I got to leave the game, um, and it's one of my most favourite games um, with with Stephen Milne and, and just Justin Kosicki. So um, against Freo, against Ross. Um, that final game where he rested, it's a bit infamous where he rested a number of his players um, so they could play in the finals. And uh, and, and that game was um, was great. I was, I was get to run through the banner with my daughter and um, had all my family and friends there. And then uh, and then at the end of the game, like during the game, it was um, bizarre. Like guys were uh, looking for, for myself, Cosy or Milne to, to give it to and get us involved in the game. It was, it was like a training run really, where they're going, no, no, that option's free, but no. And, and then kind of signaling to us to go. And, and, um, it, uh, it, it, it truly was a, a kind of a magical afternoon for, for all three of us. Was that the time when Cosy at training had his GPS swapped with someone else just to make the numbers look a bit better so that he'd get picked. He did. He did. He swapped it with Lee Mondanio. That's right. And, um, uh, and, uh, and then refused to wear the bib as he, uh, the, yes. he changed bib as he walked through the, um, uh, the, or ran through the banner. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, some, some funny stories leading up to that, to that day. Um, and, uh, it, it really was, uh, and you don't have too many games really, really enjoy yourself at mm. the end of the game. You, it's more a relief that you've won and you've played well and, and, um, and, and the best part of, of, of football is that la- that 10 minutes in the locker uh, rooms after you've won a game, um, getting around each other and, and, and bathing in that success. And then you've got to turn your focus to the next week. So it was one of the greatest, one of the great games that I'll never forget. And, um, to, to leave the game with those two good players that I've played all my career with and, and, and really good mates. Um, it was quite special. A great way to bow out. My final question, 219 games for a bloke who was last picked in the teams, as you were saying, at junior level. You must be pretty proud that you squeezed every last drop out of a lemon. It's one of the things that um, that was really drilled into us um, by the older guys is to have no regrets. Um, as long as you look back and and you, you can look yourself in the in the mirror and say, look, you, you have to give it your all because the, the, it will just turn, churn in your guts if you don't give it your all um, and, and you've wasted opportunities. I feel... I feel I did that. I felt like I, I gave my all and, and um, had no regrets. So um, to, it is a, it is a nice feeling to to, to, to look back and, and and look back at it with with a really in, enjoyable sense um, and a, uh, a, a a pleasant feeling that the St Kilda Football Club was a, a magical time for me and and um, uh, and to now impress that on the younger guys coming forward to really embrace that. It's been a great pleasure to sit back and relive those 219 games and some of the highlights and the lowlights, and in particular those Brownlow votes that we'll never forget. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me. Good on you, Jase. Jason Blake joining us on This Is Your Sporting Life, a Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We'll be back with another great of Australian sport. Same time next week. I hope you can join us then. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.